Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. In today's episode, I virtually sit down with Kia Brown. Kia is a writer, journalist, and activist. You've seen her work in Teen Vogue, ESPNW, and Harper's Bazaar. She happens to have also been born with cerebral palsy, and she travels around the world speaking about disability and representation. In this episode, I had all these plans to really talk to her mostly about having a disability and disrupting disability discourses. But we started off with some technical difficulties, and I'm so glad we did because it kind of threw me off. I went off script, and in doing so, got to explore so much more of her identity beyond having a disability. She talks about being a writer and the writing process. There's so much that she has to offer, and I'm so excited to get to share her with all of you. So without further ado, let's jump to the episode and the conversation. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. I came across the article that you wrote for... Teen Vogue. Um, And just to give a little bit of context for anybody who's listening, so you um, had a recent article for Teen Vogue's campaign to disrupt existing visions of beauty by profiling three models with disabilities. It was Chelsea Werner, Jillian Mercado, Mercado, and um, how do you pronounce her name? Mama Cax? I think it is Uh, Mama Cax, yes. That's how I pronounced it. (laughs) So you wrote this article, and I just I think I read it like five times and I shared it with like everybody that I know because it was just it was so profound and it just challenged so many discourses um that and discourses that I know that are there but sometimes still hook you right Mm -hmm. um and the imagery and the photos and interviews it was just it was so beautiful um thank you I want So I want to just first hear a little bit about you and your origin story and work you're currently involved in and how you got there. Sure. Um, Um, So I started my writing career in 2015. Um, Essentially, I graduated from the State University of Fredonia here in Western New York um, in 2013 with a journalism degree and a minor in creative writing. Now, a thing to know about me is that I love talking to people. So journalism is like absolutely perfect. And um, basically, I just started sharing, you know, aspects of my life online. Um, I started talking about, you know, the hardships of disability and the fun parts of disability and kind of, you know, pitched myself from there. It was as much, I think, about my personality as it was about the work because I wanted to shed light on the way that people live with disability, that it's not always this doom and gloom um, life. And so that was my big thing. Like I just wanted to be honest. And um, I started my writing career really not liking my disability or my body or myself. And so I think it's funny to watch that progression and that growth of how I feel about myself change and my work grow because of it. Um, So I started, like I said, in 2015, the very first essay that I wrote was about um, jealousy. I have a twin sister. Her name is Leah. Shout out to her. She's amazing. And I wrote about um, 
being jealous of her. And so that kind of sparked everything. And then from there, I got a couple more pieces at a website called Famsplain.com, who published my first one, and then Catapult, ESPNW, and then my career kind of just took off from there. Um, and I've been writing steadily ever since. But a thing for me is that like I want to make sure that I write across genres. So it's not just essays. It's, you know, cover stories like the one you mentioned in Teen Vogue and, you know, fiction and poetry like those are my like I love everything so I want to make sure that I kind of put my stamp on everything but also treat treat each genre like it is you know the one that matters most because they all matter to me so I want to make sure that I write as much as possible in every genre so basically you know I'm 27 years old and I've been writing you know steadily and professionally since 2015 at least in terms of being published, but I've been writing all my life, you know, first with like bad song lyrics that turned <laughs> that turned into, you know, bad poems. And then the poems got better. And then fiction came and that was terrible. And then it got better. And so a lot of my life thus far as a writer is just me writing bad things and then them getting better with more practice. I mean, but isn't that, and I feel like that is just, I love that you said that because that is so relevant to like everything. Like I think about myself as a therapist and I think about those like early sessions, like those when I was a newbie therapist and it was like, you know, I, I would end sessions sometimes and be like, I want this to just be a freebie, like on me. <laughs> and I would never say that because, you know, credibility and like, you know, but um, but I, yeah, I mean, I think that just goes with so with everything. And I think especially in creative work, um, you know, and I think therapy is in its own way. I, I feel like I, I'm, I am in touch with my inner creative as a therapist, but especially when there's anything mm-hmm. creative, I feel like you kind of start off and you just like do it really bad for a while. And then if you find that you're doing it and you're like, this is like, this is crap, you know, or something, but like you love so it much. so much, like you love it enough just not care and to just keep putting it out there and doing it so yeah essentially like for me anyway it's that like writing is an everyday practice like you can't write every day but you can work at making sure that you're better at telling stories um and so for me it's like because i write across genre i want to make sure that i'm telling other people's stories well and my own and so like i'm never ashamed of the past things that i've written that might be crap or whatever but I think it's okay to acknowledge growth and to like understand that like these things take time I mean I think that if if we could all sort of take that idea and turn it from not just an idea but to a belief right a belief that like there is um that there is meaning in in growth and in the things in, in where we were and sort of like how we grew from that to where we are now if people could hold on to that as a belief and like have it in their back pocket i mean i think that we would be walking around with a lot a lot, a lot more resiliency I agree. right and just sort of like confidence in in where we are and what we're doing um and not like like you said like not feeling ashamed of sort of the work we have done even if yeah, it was not my best work, you know, or, um, yeah, no, I, I'm actually reflecting on sometimes when I look at like old things that I've written for, 
research articles or blog posts or things like that. And like, I have a hard time reading it because sometimes I cringe a little um, just because maybe I'm in a different place now than I am then. And, um, or just, you know, feeling like I'm such a better writer now than I was then. I wish I could redo this, but I had to be there in order to Exactly. Get to like, that's what I tell myself. Like, I couldn't have got to this place if I wasn't that person first. Do you ever find that, because, okay, so first I just want to say I'm so, I love that we're talking about the, your writing process, you know, like, um, I mean, I, you know, I know we had some ideas of what we talked about in this podcast episode, but I love that we're talking about this because it's so relevant to so many people in so many different, like mm-hmm. you said, genres, right, of life. Um, but do you ever find that as a writer, do people, do others, do people want to sort of put you into one sort of like category do. of a writer? They want me to be their go-to disability writer. Um, I think it's it's easier for people to take a chance on me with regard to disability work than it is anything else. And the thing is, it's like, I love my disability work. I love writing about disability. I think that like, it's great work and it's important work, but I'm also really eager to get a chance to write about popular culture and music and movies and I do get that chance you know I have a book coming out next fall called The Pretty One via Simon & Schuster so Atria Books is the imprint that I'm working with and um, I get to write about all those things but I want to make sure that I'm able to do that outside of the book as well so hopefully the book will open up people's eyes to show them that I can write outside of this identity and I can do it well. You know, because the thing is, is like, I'm not a perfect writer. I don't think that anybody is, but I will be the first and the last to tell you that I'm good at what I do in all aspects. You know, I may not be everybody's cup of tea, but I know for a fact that I have what it takes to write about these things that I'm consuming and these things that I enjoy and these things that I want to do those things with, but also critique. Um, And so any chance that I can get to write outside of the disability spectrum, I take because I want people to understand that I'm not just a disability writer, that I'm much more than that, while also making sure that people take that work seriously because it is really hard work and it's important work. And it's work that I love just as much as like, say, me writing about, um, you know, a TV show. Like I used to do at my old job for Cliche Magazine. I interviewed um, a bunch of people on tv shows and movies that i was already watching so so like i i got i got a taste of that and now that i'm no longer with cliche magazine shout out to them who i love um i want i want more of that i want more chances to uh write outside of the disabilities uh genre and i have um with some places like teen vogue has let me harper's bazaar has let me espnw has let me but i want more um I want more options for myself. So hopefully the book will bring that to me next year when it comes out. And that's that's not something that I hear you just sitting around waiting for in terms of like the more more options. Like this is you saying I'm going to create I'm going to create the possible yes. door for more. Yes, cuz when I um when I sat down with my agent who Alex Slater of Tradit Media Group, uh, he's amazing first of all. I sat down with him and we talked about what it was that I wanted to write for an essay collection. And I said, I don't want every essay to be just about disability. I want disability to be the lens through which I see the world and not the subject always. 
and he pretty much was like write what you want um and we'll make it work and the and the really cool thing is that when we pitched it we pitched it in a September I think of 2017 and I had a deal at auction by December um so I think it just showed me that like there's hunger for it like I think it validated that I could do it because each essay in the book is not just about disability. So it proved to me, I think, that I have what it takes. So now I'm hoping that this book will prove to other people that I have what it takes to do both. So I can, you know, write about pop culture and movies and TV shows and also write about the disabled experience from my experience. Um, so I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that people love it as much as I do. I was told that I would go through a phase where, like, I, I grew to, like, kind of hate the book because I was reading it so much. But, like, I love my own book so much. Like, I just, it's everything I've ever wanted it to be. And so I hope that that resonates with people um, the way that it's been resonating with me as I sit, you know, and, and stare at it and go through everything and, and make sure it's something that... I can be proud of. I love the way that you talk about your book as if you're <laughs> yeah. in like a relationship. I think in many it. ways I am because I'm in a real, I think so much of it was like me recalling memories and trying to figure out why I was the way I was and how that got me to be where I am. And so I think we're all in relationships with ourselves and with the way that we view the world. And so I, I do, I treat it like it's, you know, the love of my life, but also my child. Because because I feel like it, I feel like it's a great encompassing of who I am, who I was, and who I will be. I love I, I'm I'm a super visual person, and so I love you know metaphors or analogies and this idea of sort of seeing like the work that you're doing as like as like your child in the sense that like you nurture it right and you love it. But there's also probably some times where like you need like yes. to, you need a break from it, right? To kind of like get back into yourself a little bit, right? To sort of like do some like self care and kind of like grounding and like where you are and to be able to come back to it. Um, but it sounds like that that sort of relationship that you've created with the work that you're doing has really allowed you to sustain, um, yeah, just sort of a healthy process for yourself in, in developing, you know, this. Absolutely. Um, from the time that I handed it in to my publisher, um, I took a couple months off, like not viewing it at all, um, before we started the copy editing process. And it was hard because I think when you when you know that you've done something as you know expanding as a book, then you're like, okay, I want to read it all the time. But I didn't. I just took the break, and I was like, okay, I'm just not going to touch it. And then I came back to it for copy edits or whatever, fresh. So, yeah, I'm just going to be so transparent right now that, like, I had all these ideas of, like, I really want to talk about, like, disability discourses. And, like, I basically was doing the thing that I find that you probably feel often, right, which is, like, I want mm -hmm. you to speak about disabilities, right? And, like, your, your personal experience and, like, this work that you've done. And, gosh, I have all these questions about, like, interdependence and blah, 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 blah. And now we're talking about your creative process and this book you're working on. And, and also this piece of like how you, there is, there's plurality to your identity, right? You are not just somebody who has a disability who can speak about 
disabilities. And so I'm, I myself in this moment, like, gosh, I, like, was I doing that? Right? Like, was I going to just like, you know, force her into this one kind of dialogue and conversation, and possibly miss all these other incredible offerings that she has, and like metaphors and perspectives. And I don't know, I'm just, um, I think I'm almost feeling like because you and I started off the, the our podcast interview with like such, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uncertainty that it kind of threw me off that it just kind of allowed me to open that that door to all these other dialogues that I may have not have done. So I'm, I'm sharing this. I'm just kind of reflecting on my own process of how quickly I you know, wanted to use our time to just talk about mm-hmm. this one thing and this one part of your identity. And I'm just really grateful that, I don't know, I got thrown off and that I didn't because now I and whoever's listening gets to know about all these other pieces too. Disability is such an important part of who I am. Though it's not all that I am, I never want to shy away from it. I just want people to see me as a fully realized human being Um, because I am. And I lived my everyday life, you know, being a fully realized human being who isn't just her disability and who isn't just trauma and pain and hurt. Um, I have joy, too. And I think it took me so long to find that joy because I was so stuck on like being different and how bad that was. But the thing is, what I know now is that being different isn't bad at all. Like, so what, I'm disabled, I'm also cute, which is why I started the hashtag disabled and cute. It's not an, it's not an either or thing. It's a both, I am, and, you know what I mean? And so to, to find love for myself before someone else can love me, at least romantically, I think was, has been life-changing because my career has just taken off because I have decided to stop um, being terrible to myself because I think that that's what I deserve. I don't deserve that. You know what I mean? I don't deserve to tear myself down because I walk with a limp and I have a disability that you can see and I have, you know, X, Y, and Z thing that's different from somebody else who might consume my work. Like that's, I'm done with that. I'm over it. I spent most of my life tearing myself down because I thought I was supposed to because how else are you supposed to live in a body like mine but what I know now is that I live every single day with so much joy and I have so much love surrounding me that like how could I not love myself how could I not give myself the same love that people have been giving me all of my life it's the least I could do and so for me with regard to representation in media my thing is like I want disabled girls who look like me and disabled boys and the ones that don't look like me and don't even share the same disability to know that they have a life worth living and it's not just about us dying in the end of movies or being used as props to make an able-bodied character feel good about themselves I just want people to feel good about themselves for the rest of their lives You know, whether you have a disability or not, I want you to feel like you are your best self because you were who you get to be. You know what I'm saying? Like for me, it's it's so important that people see their worth because I spent so long not seeing mine. I never want that to be anybody else's reality. We just can I just sit for a second and like a little bit of silence to just sort of soak all that in what you just said. Um, You know, I'm. I'm just, I'm even thinking of people that I know, clients that I work with who may not have a disability, 
um, but are they're in pain in their own ways and walk walking this earth feeling like I am defective or there is something wrong with me or I'm not worthy of love or worthy of um, the things that other people who aren't defective like me are worthy of um, and just how profound what you just shared <laughs> could be if they believed that for themselves. So I guess it, it brings me to ask you, how did you get there? Like what, what, what needed to shift? Um, what supported that shift for you to get to that place? Well, what's really wild is that I woke up one morning, it was right after Christmas in 2016, um, and I like had messy hair and like, you know, morning breath. And I looked in the and I looked in the mirror and I was like, Wow, you're kind of cute. Now mind you. Right, like now mind you, it's not a cute look. But I, but I felt cute. I don't know. There was like something that just switched in my brain and it was like, You're cute. And what allowed me to keep that thought was effort. So every day after that I said four things that I liked about myself in the mirror, eye contact. Um, I said them as many times as it took to believe them. And I did that every single day for two years. And that's what that's what got me to where I am today, is me literally saying, you know what? Today, I like your eyebrows. I like your nose. I like your hair. I like the way you laugh. I like your personality. I like that you're loyal. I like that you're kind. I like that you wear cute clothes. It was just something for things every single day. And it took actual effort, even on the days when I was like, oh, you know, today I don't want to do it. Today I don't want to feel good. I want to sit in my sadness. I did not allow myself to do so. And then every day it just kept coming back. I'd wake up and I'd be ready for the day because I knew that I was going to say something kind to myself. And then it also helped that my career was taking off at the same time. Well, it's probably not like that those are correlated right like the more, the more opportunities I received that you were worthy and I think it I think it so for me I'm such a big champion of effort because people think that it's really easy to just you know oh you like yourself okay great the work is over it's not even today I have to make sure that I don't fall back into those old patterns of me um you know shutting myself down or, or tearing myself down rather when something bad happens or something doesn't go the way I want it to. What it is that I do instead is look at the problem from an outside perspective, that it's not about me, it just wasn't meant for me. So effort is a very big part of my ability to stay in this place of joy, and I highly recommend giving yourself the room and the time to find things that you love about yourself and keep working at those very things because that's what's going to, that's what's going to get you to a better place is the effort um, and keeping to find, you know, or keeping up with ways that you can, you know, even if you don't love yourself, like yourself. Because I started off just liking myself and then that like blossomed into something else. And I think... Anywhere you start is a place that is good because then you're not sitting in your own sadness and your own hurt. And I think as somebody um, who deals with depression and has dealt with it for all of her life, along with anxiety, so much of 
of my time now is spent reminding myself of my worth because it can get tricky when you're like in your head and you're like, okay, this is something that I'm used to hearing. It's like, oh, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not X, Y, and Z. But I have to counteract that by reminding myself that I am those things. Even if no one else thinks it, I think it. And that's what matters most. And what I hear is that there was something that morning you looked in the mirror and there was like a tenderness that you felt a little toward, like a tenderness toward yourself and like, or what I would describe as like a, like self-compassion and, and that, and you were like, instead of, because oftentimes what can happen, right, is like the minute, like one of those, you know, like tender self-compassionate thoughts comes in, especially if depression or anxiety um, or, or shame or so, something that, you know, we're yeah. maybe really used to experiencing, like that can kind of like come in and like trumpet, right? Where it's like, no, but here are all the reasons why you don't deserve compassion and tenderness or love or to think that you're cute. But it sounds like what you did is when, when those things came up, you honored them. You were like, well, you know, no, <laughs> like, you know, like I, I'm going to focus in on these different parts of myself that um, that I see value in, right? Like, um, yeah, absolutely. And-, and I think for years I spent, I spent doing the opposite of that. Like I spent just letting myself feel those things like, Oh, you know, you don't deserve that. So I'm like, okay, then I'm going to go back to being sad. But for some reason that morning I was like, Nope, I refuse. I'm not going to keep tearing myself down. I'm only hurting myself. So I'm going to find a new way to, you know, take genuine care of myself and understand my own worth. And so, like I said, that's why I champion effort so much, because it took effort for me not to be like, oh, that's just a passing thought. Like, oh, you're not good enough, so you shouldn't feel good. I was like, nope, I feel good. I'm going to hold on to it. And if, you know, my brain is mad about it, so what? I'm going to keep doing it. And that was like the catalyst for me to get to where I am today, because I was like, I'm done feeling like, uh, you know, excuse my French, I'm done feeling like yeah. shit. I'm done feeling like crap. Yeah. So let's say somebody's listening and, you know, they're like, okay, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to feel, I'm trying to like love myself and to take care of myself. But, you know, I, these big, these big goals that I have aren't happening. Like I'm not getting book deals or I'm not getting, you know, some of these things, um, I don't know. What what would you what would you say to that person who's in who's struggling and is really trying to be intentional, but maybe these big goals that they have, it's not they're not manifesting, right? Or it doesn't feel like they're manifesting. What would you mm-hmm. that? Um, I would say that uh, we're all on our own journeys, and so when when I started my journey of self love. Or even so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with self like because when I first yeah. started my journey of liking myself I didn't have any of those things either mm. I didn't you know wake up that same day with a book deal and you know publications like Harper's Bazaar and Teen Vogue asking me to write for them what I did do was start small like I said those four things that I said every day in the mirror um, the eyebrows the nose the hair the lips that's what I started with I started small. And even if it wasn't something about my physical appearance that I liked, I went internal. I went. I thought about, you know, things that my friends have said to me over the years about my loyalty mm. and my kindness. I went with that because sometimes what happens is if we can't find something that we like about ourselves, we should look 
to what other people might gravitate towards so that that way it doesn't feel as self-serving even though it is Mm. because you're like okay well my friend julie or my friend angela or my friend rebecca or my mom or my dad or my cousin or my sister said they like this about me so i'm gonna try to like that about me today so even if you can't get four out just get one out and it doesn't have to be some major thing like I like everything about myself. Like, no, that's not going to happen on day one. Even when you're trying your best, you can say, oh, I like this green jacket that I own. That was a good decision that I, you know, that I made to purchase it. I like this purse. I like the way that, you know, the light hits my face. I like X, Y, and Z thing. But it doesn't always have to be this big, grandiose thing. And in terms of, like, the things that you want not happening, to you when you want them to happen I get that um one of the biggest disappointments that I had uh was I applied for the BuzzFeed fellowship and I was so certain that I was gonna get it you know what I mean I was so certain that it was mine I could see myself in New York City for the weeks where I would stay what I would eat what I would learn and I didn't get it and I was crushed I was crushed for weeks but you know what I did after that crush, after that, that pain and that heartbreak where I sat and watched movies and I cried and wondered if I was ever going to be a good enough writer, I started pitching other places. I started putting myself out there on social media and writing more posts and saying exactly what I wanted. And then, hey, you know, I got, I got published in Harper's Bazaar. I wrote a cover story for Teen Vogue. So I think sometimes what we have to do is remember that just because we want something so bad and it doesn't happen doesn't mean it was ours to begin with. Mm. So often we want these things and we want them bad and we feel like we deserve them, but they aren't meant for us. They're meant for somebody else and bigger and better and cooler and funner and more perfect fit things are going to happen for you later. Because again, I didn't have a book deal when I got rejected from the BuzzFeed Fellowship. And then I went on to interview Roxanne Gay. Like, it, it just goes to show you that everything that you want isn't always going to be everything that you need. Mm. And I think as long as you keep your eyes on your own paper and realize that there's room for everybody, you are already doing better than you think that you're doing. Your time is going to come. And the fact that you're taking the effort and the time to try every day that's what's going to get you to where you need to be you know so you can't look at you know a success story like mine or my trajectory and be like I want that no craft something of your own and and work toward that but also be kind to yourself in these moments when something just isn't happening for you because that means that there's something that's being set up in the works that's so much better than you could have ever dreamed of and you could have ever imagined that's coming for you just keep doing what you're doing. Start small, work hard, work low, keep your head down, just keep your eyes on your own lane and you'll get there when you're supposed to get there. And even when you're looking over and you see somebody else who's maybe getting where you want where you think you want to go a little faster, your journey is yours. It is not anybody else's. And so treat that same journey with care. And don't be too hard on yourself because I know how easy it is to look over and see your peer doing something you think that you should be doing, but your time is coming. 
It's just not here yet, but it's coming. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, I was excited to read more of your work and your book before we had this conversation <laughs> and now I'm, now I'm desperate for it. So well, I'm glad. Just, I mean, I'm like looking at the time. I know we have to end in a little bit and I am very sad about that. Me too. Um, but you know what? I could, in light of everything you said, I could be upset that we didn't get to start on time because of our technical difficulties. But I actually think that the technical difficulties allowed me, myself, to loosen up a little bit of like my agenda for what I want us to talk about. And I am like blown away by everything you've shared. And I am just really, really grateful that we talked about what we did and that I shut up and like let you just talk about some of these things um and didn't even look at my notes i don't know i'm just i'm grateful for our technical difficulties kia and for you taking the time to have this conversation with me um share your voice and your story and um but also offering like real tangible things that you've done um, when you found yourself in really dark places i think that um there are a lot of people out there who are desperate for those things. And I'm just really glad that you were able to offer those. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. I do wish that we started on time, but I think this is much better because it's more, it's more realistic. It's more organic. I feel like we, we got to a really good place and we, we might not have gotten to that same place without the technical difficulties. So true. So our process today is a metaphor for how things sometimes end up working out. Okay. Exactly. If, we, if we let go and accept and show a little compassion and tenderness for ourselves and for the process um, and allowing ourselves in all of that to open up to what's actually in front of us. Yes. I love that. <laughs> all right, Kia. Thank you so much. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kia, K-E-A-H underscore Maria. And you can find my work on my website, brand new, just done. It's amazing. It's by Happy Writing Co. Um, it's www.kiabrown.com. Um, I love it. I'm obsessed with my own website. Is that weird? Anyway, check it out. No, it's not weird. I, I went on it. I went on it when I saw that you like posted that it was like live and that it was brand new. I went on it and it's amazing. It's, it's so good. So I'm so excited for you. And I hope that people check in and follow up. And I mean, I'm sure after they hear you, they will. I hope so. Yeah. Read my work and make sure you keep an eye out for my book next year. The pretty one via Adria books, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just, you know, and, and don't be afraid to say hi across social media. I'm very much a friendly person. We can talk about disability. We can talk about pop culture or Matthew Gray Gubler, who is gorgeous. Um, so just, you know, feel free to say hi. I'm always down to talk about TV crushes. Oh my gosh. I can vouch for how, like, you mean, I just like, I, I like messaged you on social media and I was like, I just read your article like five times and I just want to talk more to you. Um, can we? And you were like, yes. And then it's like, can you be on the podcast? And you were like, yes. And then you were so sweet about how I just did not show up for our first <laughs> recording because I was too in my head about times or I was in my own time zone. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you're, I, I, you're definitely a kind hearted soul who 
<laughs> gives a lot of well, grace. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. I I really enjoyed this podcast. I love podcasts. They're my jam. I love talking to people. Awesome. So this was extra. It's just extra special. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. And I can't wait for your viewers and your audience to hear it because I think it was a really good conversation. I think it was too. Thank you so much, Kia. And um, I will make sure to put all that info where people can find you in the podcast notes. So if you're listening, just check over at the podcast notes for those links. And and that's that. We're, we're done. Thanks, Kia, Thank so you. much. Oh my God, this was so good. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.